Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you because your word is spirit and life. And Lord, we approach your word reverently. The Bible says that the entrance of your word bringeth light and understanding to the simple. And Lord, we approach your word and we pray and believe that you will speak to everyone today. I ask, Lord, that you would make my tongue like the pen of a ready writer, that I might declare your word here today. May your word be sown in the heart of everyone that's here. Father, I pray that you would save the lost, you will heal the sick, you will deliver the oppressed, and Lord, you will do what no man can do. And Lord, we give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise in advance for all that shall be accomplished even in this time. In Jesus' mighty name, and everyone say, I want you to go with me to the book of Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. If you find it, say amen. amen. If you're looking for it, say wait for me. Amen. Everyone has found it. Well, it's not hard to find Genesis chapter 3 because... <laughs> it is the third chapter in the book. Genesis is the beginning of the book. Amen. That's why it's called Genesis. It means the beginning. Amen. Genesis chapter 3, it's a long read. I'm going to read from verse number 1. Please follow me as I read. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman... Has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? I talked about that last week. I told you that the devil did not know the specific tree God told them not to eat from. And let me also add this. It was not apple. <laughs> Just wanted to clarify that. Okay. Uh, verse number two. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. You will not surely die. God said they would die. The serpent said they wouldn't die. Now the question is, whose report are you going to believe? Who you are listening to matters a lot. It's going to affect your life. It's going to affect your destiny. It's going to affect everything about you. We've got to learn to take God's word at face value. When God says it, that is it. Don't argue. Don't fight it. People say, yes, I know that's what God says, but... And that but is the reason why you're having all the troubles in your life. Because you do not take God's word at face value. And you don't do what God tells you to do. And you start yielding to the devil. And you start yielding to your carnal mind. I'm sorry if I say your because it looks as if I'm very confrontational this morning. But I'm not speaking to you. I'm speaking to those that did not come to church today. <laughs> so nobody leaves this place and says, Pastor God will said I have a carnal mind. No, it's important that we understand that what God says is final. Tell somebody, God says it, and that is it. No but, no ifs, no maybes, 
When God says it, that is it. If you would learn to just take the word of God at face value and do whatever he tells you to do, God is obligated to bless you. God is only obligated to bless what he has initiated. If God does not initiate it, I don't care who does. I don't care who tells you to do it. God will not be obligated to do what he has not initiated. When God says it, do it. When God says it, help me preach now. When God says it, when God tells you to do it, don't but and if and maybe and probably nothing like that. When God says it, that is it. You stand on God's word. You obey God's word. You say, yes, sir. And you obey. Come on now, say amen. If you read through the Bible, you will discover that the key to, to miracles is obedience. There is no other key. People might talk about do this and do that. Yeah, everything that was done in the Bible to see the move of God was done because God told them to do something. I can give you example after example. In the Bible, whether God spoke to a man directly like he did with Abram in Genesis chapter 12 when he told Abram, to leave his father's house and go to a place that he was going to show him. And what did Abraham do? Come on now, talk to me. Come on, you guys are quiet this morning. What did Abraham do when God said, leave your father's house? Obey. He obeyed. What did Abraham do when God said, take now thy son, thine only son, and take him to the region of Moriah and offer him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I will show you. What did Abraham do? Amen. The Bible says early the next morning, Abraham went. No delay. No buts. No ifs. No, no maybes. What if this? What if that? He was not rationalizing. He obeyed God quickly. Because he knew that God would always come through for any man who obeys him. Some people are told by God, go and apologize. They would not. They'll tell God, but you know what they said to me. But you know what they did to me. You know how they spoke behind my back. You know this, you know that. As if God did not even know in the first place before he told you to go and apologize. Obedience is the key. Tell somebody obedience is the key. <laughs> if a man or a woman learns to obey God and obey God promptly... That person will see the mighty hand of God in their lives. The works of God shall be accomplished in the lives of those who obey God and obey God promptly. Because even delayed obedience is disobedience. Let me say that again. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Somebody needs to hear that. Pastor God, well, God told me three years ago. Well, if God told you three years ago, the question is, did you do it? Oh, I'm still waiting. Waiting on who? God already told you to do it. You better obey God promptly. You better obey God quickly because it's, listen, it's your obedience that will activate something in your life. Can someone say amen? amen. So God said, don't eat of the tree 
in the midst of the garden. Adam and Eve, listen, listen, I've given you all the trees in the garden, but this one. I've given you all the trees in the garden, but this one. This one in the midst of the garden belongs to me. Do not eat from it. There's a big, there's a big force now about the tithe. Listen, can I just submit to you that 100% in the New Testament belongs to God? I say 100%. There's nothing you own that was not given to you. Can someone say amen? amen. Look at verse number 5. We're reading Genesis chapter 3. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, everyone say she saw. She saw that the tree was good for food. That it was pleasant to the eyes. And a tree desirable to make one wise. What I just read to you right there is the summary, is a summary of the, of the temptation of the devil. Can I say that again? What I just read to you is a summary of the temptation of the devil. There is no temptation the devil brings to you that is not in these three categories. Everything the devil will tempt you with is in the category of the, the lust of the eyes. I want to say the lust of the eyes. <laughs> The loss of the flesh, the of the flesh. And, the and the pride of life. It never gets out of these three categories. No matter what your temptation is, it's the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, or the pride of life. When Jesus was tempted after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, and the devil came and tempted Jesus, it also fell into these three categories. The loss of the flesh, the loss of the eyes, and what? The pride of life. Notice what the woman said. Listen, listen what it says in verse 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, lust of the flesh. What did Satan say to Jesus? If you are the son of God, command this stone to become what? Bread. So that you can satisfy what? Your flesh. Can you see that? That is still the temptation. One of the biggest things that I've seen in the church that has robbed people of their destinies in God is the loss of the flesh. And I refer to this as the mentality of Esau. I was say Esau's mentality. What is Esau's mentality? Esau's mentality is give it to me and give it to me now. I'm not willing to wait. That's the loss of the flesh. Over the years, I've seen people come to this church and they were not willing to wait for God to come through for them. So they took matters into their own hands to satisfy their flesh. And when you take matters into your own hands to satisfy your flesh, it will be done at your own detriment. Shortcuts. 
They circumvent the plan of God. They want to have it their own way. Esau came back from the field, and Esau could wait for one or two more hours to satisfy his flesh with his own food. But Esau said, I cannot afford to wait. Jacob, give me lentil soup. And give it to me when? Now. I'm not going to wait. I'm not going to wait. Give it to me. Give it to me now. Because I am so famished. I'm so hungry. And I've got to eat. But how many of you would believe with me that if Esau waited for one or two more hours, he was not going to die? <laughs> Anybody believe with me? He was not going to die. All that Esau needed was to exercise some patience. I want to say some patience. Amen. Just wait a little bit more. Some of you are here today. I want to speak to you about the need to wait a little bit more. If you can only wait a little bit more, something is about to break open in your life. But because many have not learned to wait a little, just a little bit more to see God come through for them. So they take matters into their own hands and they ruin their destiny. Jacob said to Esau, his brother, listen, it's not going to be easy. You don't just say, give me food. If you want me to give you food, we've got to strike a deal. That one says, strike a deal. We've got to strike a deal. And this is the deal, my brother. If you want my soup, if you want my, my pottage, we've got to switch places. Everyone says switch places. Switch <laughs> if you notice what I told you last week, what did the devil do to man? What did Lucifer, what did the serpent do to man? The serpent made man switch places with him. Correct? When man committed high treason, man gave his place of dominion to the, to the devil. And the moment man gave his place of dominion to the devil, man came under the authority of the enemy. Don't forget, God had placed man as the God of this world. The God of this earth. Can someone say amen? Man was in absolute authority. Man was in absolute dominion until he gave it up. Listen, I told you, that is the temptation of the devil. Nothing the devil will throw at you that will not fall into the category of the loss of the flesh, the loss of the eyes, and what? The pride of life. You can begin to even take inventory of your personal life and look at all the temptations that has come to you the ones that you've overcome, the ones that you fell into, all of them fall into these categories. This is a fact. This is a fact. So I know I'm giving you several examples here with Jesus, with Adam, and then with Esau and Jacob. But it's good you can see this because the Bible says, by the words of two or three witnesses, let every word be what? Established. So we are establishing truth here today. Come on, say amen. amen. So Esau, my brother. Now we switch over to Esau. Esau, my brother, you will have to give me your place. If you want my lentil soup, give me your place. Okay. Okay, no problem. You are now in my place. I am now in your place. Jacob said, brother, it's not that easy. You've got to swear to me. 
You've got to do what? You've got to take an oath. You've got to, you've, you, you, you can't just pass it on like that. This is not what we call gen, gentleman agreement. Can you shake my hand? This is not gen, gentleman agreement. No, no, no. You've got to commit to me and you've got to use the name of the God of our Father. That's when I would know you've truly given it to me. So what Esau was supposed to do was to pull back and think about it. I want to think about it. I mean, if you know that if you can only take five minutes, ten minutes to think about the proposition that the devil is giving to you, you may not do it. Just five minutes. Just pull back and think about it. And listen, when I said the proposition of the devil, don't think the devil will propose things to you by himself. The devil will propose things to you using people. Because if the devil shows up in your house as a a fire-breathing dragon with two horns and a tail and a pitchfork, you will not believe him. You will cast him out of your house. So the devil does not appear that way. Rather, he appears as an angel of light. He uses people. If you would learn to pull back. I want to pull back. And think of this. Think of the proposal. And ask yourself the question. How will this decision affect my destiny? Many have entered into what they shouldn't have entered into in the first place. And I've said this over and over again, and you need to listen to this. There are choices you make that cannot be reversed. You might say, but I've repented. Oh yeah, you have. Has God forgiven you? Absolutely, he has forgiven you. But the consequence is still there. So, Lord, what should I do? I'll give you grace. But take it away? No, no, I won't. Because there are things God don't take away. When you get involved with a man or you get involved with a, with a woman and a baby comes out of that outside wedlock, God's not going to take the baby. You're going to leave. You're going to be a mama without a husband. Fact. You can't say, God, take it away. When you ask God to forgive you, will he forgive you? Absolutely. Because God's a merciful God. His mercies are new every morning and great is his faithfulness. So God will forgive you. God will wash that sin away with the blood of Jesus. And God will never remember it again against you. But will God kill the child? Absolutely not. So you've got to live with the consequence. Of being a mother and getting out of school. And not finishing your education anymore because now you've got a baby you have to take care of. And then it stretches you financially too. I'm preaching good, say amen. (laughs) I don't know who I'm talking to, but I know I'm talking to somebody. (laughs) Everyone say choices. Choices. And say consequences. consequences. Every choice has a consequence. And there are big choices and there are small choices. Big choices will bring big what? Consequences. Consequences. Small choices will bring what? Small consequences. The Bible says, don't be deceived. God's not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, 
that he shall. So if you learn to pull back and think about the proposition that the devil is presenting to you, you ask yourself the question, how will this favor me? Or how will this work against me? If Adam and Eve had pulled back, if, what's his name? Esau had pulled back. And if Esau had said to himself, listen, Jacob, keep your lentil soup. You can eat your food all you want. In actual fact, I don't care. Listen, I'm going to cook my own. And the guy could cook. Because you know the story. Let's fast forward. Remember when Isaac, the father, was about to die? Isaac called on Esau, his son, and said, My son, go now and fetch me this uh, venison that I love and bring it to me so that I'll eat it and my soul will be happy and bless you. So which means the man could cook. Correct? The man could cook. All he needed to wait, all he needed to do was wait, pull back, and ask himself these questions, and then go into the kitchen and prepare something for himself. Or maybe just go into the kitchen, find something that the mother had prepared the previous day. And, and, and you know, I do that when I'm hungry. You just hold yourself until my wife prepares the main thing. And then, you know, and then you know that there's something in your stomach so that your stomach is not crying and all of that. And then when the main thing shows up, you know that, okay, now we have arrived. But everyone say patience. patience. The reason why many destinies are destroyed is because they do not learn to wait. They are not patient. The moment it is thrown at them, they grab it. But they don't ask the question, is this from God or is this from the devil? Let me also say this, not every door that's opened is from God. Oh my God, the door just opened. Who opened it? Who opened the door? Because the door may not be opened by God. The door may be opened by the enemy. You know what? We see, we see this a lot when it comes to jobs. People think, people think, oh, pastor, I just got a job. It's a nice job. Where is it? It's over there. How much are they going to pay? Oh, they're going to pay this much. How, how is the work situation? Well, I'm going to work from Sunday to Sunday. And um, are you sure that's an open door from God? An open door from God that uh, ties you up and does not allow you to serve God. That open door is not from God. You may not like me because I'm telling you the truth right now. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you the truth whether you like it or not. Because we're, we're not here to tickle people's ears. We're here to tell people the truth. Because when it's all said and done, you've got to give account of your life to God. And if God has placed me here by His grace to help you, then I better be telling you the truth. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Tell somebody not every door is opened by God. Some doors look good, but they are not from God. And in actual fact, good is the enemy of the best. Good, everyone say good, good. is the enemy of the best. So before the best comes, the enemy might open a good door. And you take that door, and you walk through that door, and you miss 
the perfect will of God. Not every door is from God. Come on now, say amen. amen. So don't accept what the devil offers. And when we say the devil, understand that we're not talking about Satan. We're talking about Satan using people. Can someone shout amen? amen. Is this helping anybody? Look at verse number 7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord called to Adam and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, here comes the blame game now. The woman you gave me. To be with me. She gave me of the tree and I ate. The woman you gave me. Now Adam. Adam is blaming God. And Adam is blaming his wife. Adam began to play the blame game. I learned over 20, 20 23 years ago. To take responsibility for anything I do wrong. A good friend of mine told me, he said, God will take responsibility. I learned it over 20 years ago to take responsibility. We've got to take responsibility. Can I say this to you, my friends? Nobody can determine my decision. The decisions I make are not based on what you do. The decisions I made the decisions I make are based on the internal stuff happening on the inside of me. My decisions come out of who I am. Not what you do. Not what you say. Oh, pastor, they made me do it. No, no, you did it. Nobody made you. You did it. In actual fact, you wanted to do it, maybe. <laughs> and in actual fact, if it wasn't in you, you wouldn't have done it. Yeah. Can someone say amen? amen. So the, the blame game started. The woman you gave me. Notice, he, he was blaming God and blaming his wife. The woman you gave me. But where were you, the man, when she was tempted by Satan? Getting quiet now. Can I speak to the husbands? Yes. Where were you, Adam? Were you not given the authority to, to, to dominate everything, even the things that creep? Was that not your territory? 
Where were you? You left your wife all by herself and the devil came and tempted her. And now you're blaming her and blaming God. Where were you? Think about when God asked Adam, Adam, where are you? I probably might ask some men the question today. Where are you? Where are you in your marriage? Where are you with your spouse? Where, where are you? Are you taking responsibility as a husband? Come on now, I'm preaching good, say amen. amen. <laughs> you see, the man or the husband leads by example. Leads by how? Example. The husband needs to show by example that he is a man of God. Come on, say amen. amen. He needs to show by example that he is a child of God. That he is a man of God. If we can take the baby to the break room, maybe, or to the op to my office, that will be good. Do I have to say it before somebody help me here? We love them, we love the baby, but we have to think about doing something. Come on. Praise God. Amen. 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 Sit in my office. My office is cozy. I have a TV there too, you can watch. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Everyone was looking, but nobody's saying nothing. I have to deal with it. Praise God. Anyways. Um, what was I saying? Remind me. Huh? The hu uh, husband. <laughs> watch this. The Bible says, husbands, love your wives as what? As Christ loved the church. That's how a husband needs to love his wife. A lot of husbands, I was just uh, dealing with a couple that uh, came to me for counseling. And I, asked, I said, look, it's easy for your wife to submit to you. Submission is not what you demand. Submit to me, I'm the head. What kind of head are you? <laughs> head. No. Wives don't submit because you enforce it. Wives submit because you love them. I'm doing a marriage counseling right now. <laughs> Sometimes my counseling is done from the pulpit. Not when you come see me in the office and we start talking for two hours. I'm counseling right now. Husbands, love your wives... As Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. How did Christ love the church? Christ loved the church by sacrificing. Do you understand that the love I have for God was given to me by God? I couldn't love God if he hadn't loved me. Oh my God, somebody needs to get that. You can't love God. Independently, you couldn't do it. The Bible says the love of God has been shared abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost that he gave you. That's the love you reciprocate. There's no way you could love God if he had not loved you. <clears throat> when Paul gave us a revelation of the church, guess 
Guess the institution he used? Marriage. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. That he might what? Sanctify her and present her to himself without spot or blemish. Oh, my wife is, my wife is, no, shut up. Do what you need to do to present your wife to yourself the way you want your wife to look. And the way to do it is by loving her. When you love your wife, you bring out the best in her. Come on now, shout hallelujah. No, you know why I need to deal with this? Think about Adam. Adam now is blaming God and blaming the woman. But the question is, where were you? Why did you leave your wife all by herself? Why did you leave your wife all by herself? Your wife was here minding her business while you are here minding your business. The man and the wife should live together. The man and the wife should sleep in the same bedroom. If you call me at night and you say, Pastor, where are you? I say, I'm on my bed. With who? With my wife. <laughs> Come on, I'm preaching good. This is important. You, you, think this is, you think this is funny until you understand what we've dealt with here. People coming up with all kinds of crazy, crazy concept of what marriage is. Wife living here, husband living there. Give me a break. That is the reason why marriages in the church right now, the, the rate of divorce, statistically speaking, they say the rate of divorce in the church is equal to the rate of divorce in the world. The church that is supposed to be the example has become a sorry state when it comes to marriage for the most part. Your marriage should depict Christ. You stand with her. Amen. Amen. I mean, we've been married now all these years. We've had, we've had our issues, especially the first couple of years. You've heard my story. And I'm not shy to tell stories because we are still together. And we shall be together till the rapture takes place. Amen. By the grace of God. Amen. Come on now, say amen. Amen. We didn't get into this to split up. And we did not get into this to try it. Let me test this if it works. No, you don't test it. You marry, you lock the door, you throw the keys away. And for those of you that are not married, you listen to what I'm telling you right now. <laughs> Marriage is not about jumping into bed. Period. Amen. You listen. I'm, pre I'm preaching wisdom here. Marriage is not the mushy, gushy feelings you have. Oh, I feel good. <laughs> it's not. Marriage is commitment. Amen. Marriage is dedication. Amen. Marriage is sacrifice. Amen. Marriage is my eyes on one woman. Amen. And my eyes, for women, my eyes on one man. And that is the one that God has given to me. 
And if you say God has given you that one, then you better treat that one with respect and honor. Amen. Come on now, I'm preaching good, say amen. amen. Thank you. Adam, where are you? I was busy tending this, the garden on this side. Where was your wife? I don't know. No, you need to know where your wife is. Come on now, say amen. amen. And for my wife and I, we do that a lot. Not because we don't trust each other, but because we just feel that we need to be accountable to each other. So when I'm out of the house, I call her. I tell her, hey, I'm, I'm here, I'm going there, I'm still in the office, I'll be coming back. I, I, I keep myself accountable. Are you listening to me? The man is a head. Head of what? Head means example. The head means I'll show by my life that I'm a child of God. And I show by example that you can follow me. That's what head means. Head does not mean... Head. Some people are nothing but head. Just head. Empty head. So the man, the husband is to love his wife as Christ loved the church and sacrificed for the church. That was a sacrifice. 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 So sacrifice is a major aspect of marriage. Now, then the Bible says, the wife should submit to her own husband as the church is subject to Christ in all things. Let the wife also see that she's subject to her husband in all things. Now, what's submission? Submission is not what you enforce. Submission is something that comes willingly from the heart. Pastor Corey and I, for instance, as you see, Pastor Corey, the pastor who just did the first message, He's my pastor. We've been together. I've known him for 22 years. And the moment I stepped into this church and I knew in my spirit, this is home, I submitted to his leadership. But I trust his leadership. I trust his leadership. You cannot submit to somebody you don't trust. But for me to trust him, he had to prove himself to be trustworthy. So over the years, I've seen him as a man who has proved himself to truly love me, to truly appreciate me, and is a part, I'm a partner with him in ministry. I'm honored to say that. So my submission to his leadership comes willingly. Not because it is something demanded, but it is something that I willingly give. Why? Because I know I can trust him. And I know his motives are clean. Can someone say amen? amen? So you don't force it to happen. How many of you know that if you don't want to serve God, God will never force you to serve him? Yeah. If you choose to think about the story of the prodigal son, Luke chapter 16, correct? Yeah, Luke chapter 16. The young man came to his father and said, give me everything that belongs to me. Because I'm about to check out. What did the father do? Oh, son, please. Please. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> Is that what the father did? No. Son, no, you cannot go. 
I tie you here with a rope. Is that what the father did? Absolutely not. The father gave him what belonged to him. And the Bible says he went into a far country. And he wasted everything the father gave him through riotous living. But one day he came back to his senses. Somebody's going to come back to their senses today. One day he came back to his senses and he said, I will return. That was our return. He says, I'll return to my father. And so that's what he did. But you know, that story is, is, is interesting. I, asked, I thought to myself sometime in the past, why didn't the father go looking for him? You see, Jesus said, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. But there is nowhere he said, you will never leave me, you will never forsake me. The problem is not God leaving, the problem is people leaving God. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. Where are all the married couples in this house? Stand on your feet. All the married couples, stand with your spouse. Stand, stand. Where is your wife? Where, if your wife is here, your husband, tell them to come close to you. Go get your wife. Go get your husband. <laughs> Obey your pastor in the Lord. Get your wife. Get your husband. If your wife is here. If she is not. If your husband is here. If it's not, that's fine. But if they are here, grab your hands. Only come. Grab the hand of your, your, your spouse. Hallelujah. Where's King Solomon? Yeah, come, bring her. This, these are the, the newest couple in town. <laughs> bring her to your seat. You see, the person that's standing beside you is your spouse. A gift from God. Now, if your wife is there or your husband, just imagine they are here. <laughs> a gift. Everyone say a gift. From God. The Bible says marriage is honorable in all things. Everyone say all things. Marriage is it's an honorable thing. It's not a thing you despise. It's not a thing you treat with disrespect. Because God honors marriage. And the person that you're married to should be your best friend. That person is your best friend. And that person is your partner for life. And if you want the marriage to succeed, you've got to work on it. Are you going to have misunderstanding? Absolutely. But what's a misunderstanding? Misunderstanding is when we both see this from two different angles. Because we are standing at two different positions. So what she sees is not what I see. So she's trying to explain what she sees 
while I'm trying to explain what I see, but until you learn to say, okay, I'm come over to what you're saying, you're always going to have a fight. And everyone wants to push their own agenda. No, why, why don't you see what I'm saying? I'm be- <laughs> That's the reason why you're always fighting. Why don't you humble yourself and go over to her side? The Bible says the husband will sacrifice and go over to her side. Oh, honey, I see it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Really, you are right. If your wife is right, there's going to be peace at home. <laughs> yeah, somebody's clapping. Yeah, exactly. If your wife is right, there will be peace at home. I promise you, don't be stubborn. Listen to your wife. And let me tell you something about women. They have intuition. There are things they see you don't see. She wants me. Oh, yeah. She sees it. Sometimes the, um, I don't say it. She sees it. Because there are things. It's like what God has built into them. The ability to smell and perceive. Oh yeah, praise God. <laughs> and, and, and watch this. The husbands, some of them are... The wife is saying, honey, don't go there. Hey, don't. But you know, I'm the head. So you keep going. And guess what? You find yourself in trouble. But your wife, because she's gracious and, and she loves you, she does not say, but I told you. But somewhere in her mind, she's saying, I told you, but she does not tell it to you. But somewhere there it is, I, I didn't I tell you. Don't go out with that person. <laughs> yeah, I think that somebody's getting a revelation. But you see, that is how it works. You see, but what we do is we love them. Okay? We love them. And you give your wife first place in your life. Now, don't think about God. I'm not talking about you and God. Now, I'm just talking about you as a human. She is the first place. She's what? She's the first place. Now, for you also as a man, you are the first place. Irene, don't get jealous. For you, for you, for you, you also, you are the first place in her life. Come on, say amen. amen. You are the first in her life. But you, the Bible says you are co-laborers. You, you're working together to accomplish the purposes of God. You let your marriage shine. Misunderstandings will come, like I explained. But in our early days, it was so hard for us to resolve stuff. Because think about this. We're coming, we're coming from two different places. Right? And... My wife has a very strong lion personality. That's good. I like that. She's choleric. She's strong. When I was coming from where I came from, I was 1996, 97% sanguine. So I was this bubbly, excited, ha 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 ha. 
this is how I was. But over the years, I have made some adjustments, not because I don't want to be bubbly or excited, ex exciting anymore, but you know, you begin to make some adjustments to, to balance out your life well. You understand? You can't be ha 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 all the time, just having fun. <laughs> Let's play, ha ha ha, hey, hey, hey. No, you can't do that all the time. There are times, life, <laughs> the Bible says there are, the Bible said there is time for everything. Everyone said there is time for everything. So there is time to play, but there is time to be serious. Are you tired of sun? <laughs> Stand, you're not standing alone. Your husband is beside you in the spirit. Uh, so there, there, there is time for everything. Correct? So I began to make the adjustments. And as I made the adjustments, I began to, to also take on that choleric side. And it just, become, just becomes a mix of fusion of, of two things. You mature, you grow with time. Is that correct? And so, but, so, but in the early days, we would have a quarrel, misunderstanding, and uh, for three days, we would not talk to each other. Three days, I want to say three days. <laughs> I know some of you go for more than three days. So don't, don't look at me as, oh, these pastors are terrible. Look, listen, it's okay for me to honestly tell you how we came through what we came through. Is that okay? So you don't look at us and think they never came through anything. We came through a lot. We came through stuff to the point where sometimes when we went to bed, I gave her my back. She gave me her back. We're sleeping on the same bed, but we were looking at two different places. Food. This is it. <laughs> you, <laughs> you eat. You finish eating. She takes it. That's it. That, the only communication was when there was food. And then we began to learn how, we learned how not to try to change each other. I realized that, and she realizes, she realized that too. If I don't try to change her, and she doesn't try to change me, all we need to work on is change me, me change me, she changes her, it was going to work. Because when I see her change, I'll change. When she sees me change, she will change. You can't fight yourself. You know? So if I want to pick a fight and she does not want to fight, what will I do? <laughs> Think about if I want to fight and she's, honey, you're the best. It's not possible to fight when someone is loving on you. Yeah. <laughs> is that correct? Yeah. Amen. And so we learned and we began to grow and we grew out of all this nonsense. Praise God. Hallelujah. We still have misunderstandings, but now we have to do it in a civil way. <laughs> you can be civil or uncivil. I will beat you now. No, you don't ever. You <laughs> Bang the door. Storm out of the house. Raise your voice and shout. It's not necessary. Don't forget you're coming back to that house. Lift your hands together, husbands and wives. Father, we pray over these couples. We pray over all of them, each of them. Even those whose spouses are not here today. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we ask that your grace will rest upon them. Amen. That you will strengthen each home. Lord, where there are issues, 
Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that they will be dealt with right now. Amen. That, Lord, those issues will be removed, swept away by the blood of Jesus. Amen. That, Lord, these relationships will thrive. Amen. They will prosper Amen. together. Amen. You've got a lot in store for them. May they not miss it. May they stay together Amen. and may their marriages succeed. Amen. May their marriages be the light that the world will see. Amen. And their marriages will draw people to you. Amen. Lord, I declare that every home is blessed. Amen. Every home will increase. Amen. Every home will prosper. Amen. These relationships will not go down the drains. Amen. These relationships will excel. Amen. And Lord, their lives will attract people to you. We declare that each home is blessed Amen. in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And everyone say, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Put your hands together. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Adam, where are you? The woman you gave me. So I pray that today the blame game will stop. Praise God. Amen. The blame game will stop. The blame game will stop. Stand with your spouse. Hallelujah. And for the unmarried, pray. Do what? Pray. Pray. Pray the Lord will bring the right person. The Lord will bring the right person. And even when the right person comes, don't rush into it. And when I say don't rush into it, I simply mean, you know, give it time, let it develop, let it grow. Amen? And uh, get to know the person. But also don't keep it, on the, don't keep it for too long. Because some, some people want to date for one year, two years, three years, four, five. Don't keep it for too long. I mean, why keeping it for too long? What are you waiting for? If she's the right person, she's the right person. When I knew she was the right person, honestly, I didn't wait for too long. Why wait? All the waiting is causing trouble. All this two years relationship, three years relationship, is causing nothing but trouble. And you, people are losing their testimonies because of that. Honestly. Before you know it, your flesh begins to take over. Why wait? For too long. If she's the right person, or if he, if he is the right person, then he is the right person. And the, the church must get rid of this old boyfriend girlfriend thing. It's nothing. I, I, I detest that. She's my girlfriend. What girlfriend? Give me a break. Come, let me slap you off the side of the head. <laughs> and and, and he's my boyfriend. What boyfriend? You are in the world, but you are not of the world. Amen. That is a worldly concept. Amen. You are in the world, but you are not of the world. 
come out from the world and act like a child of God. 